The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii. Apostolic Faith Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour of blessing. Good morning and praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Hit Pastor Billy Hahn Jr. and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. We will welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade Telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XD TV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV, Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME, Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV, Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY, Channel 9 in El Centro, California, and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church, and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church is located at 1043 Middle Street, the headquarters of the Gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world, with the sign of the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon, a landmark in Kali for over 95 years, and our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, used exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lockbaum on August the 4th, 1923, and passed on to our late Chief Pastor William M. Hans Sr. in 1959, who continued the gospel work to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, since wherever you are and the shut-ins, that is those of you in the hospitals and convalescent homes, and should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. To start our musical program, the church choir will sing the song entitled, Jesus, I Love You. What a blessing it is to be able to say those words and also show our love for Jesus by accepting Him into our lives as our personal Lord and personal Savior. 
The choir is led by choir director Emilia Hahn and accompanied by Edith Matsuki on the piano and Rose Pahaku Carter on the organ. Next, we have the church band led by George Truly, and they will play a rendition of All Hail the Power.
Sherlina Bing is our soloist today, and she will sing the song, Whisper a Prayer. Yes, saints and friends, our Lord surely hears and answers our prayers, even our faintest whispers. Sherlin is accompanied by yours truly on the piano, Associate Pastor Marvin Bing on the bass, and trusty Associate Pastor Evans Broad Sr. and Mason Asano Sr. on the guitars.
we call upon the church choir once again to sing their second number entitled, In My Heart. We invite you to sing along with our choir by following the words on your screen. Oh, 
now we have a guitar solo by Trusty Associate Pastor Emmett Spell Sr., who will play a rendition of Through It All. He's also accompanied by Iris Locke on the drums. Up next is a group vocal number by the BA Degrees, 
and they will sing the song Anywhere with Jesus. They are led by Rose Pohaku Carter and accompanied by Tiari Summers on the piano. This song is dedicated to Ms. Zelza Hakuole, who faithfully gives off her time and efforts for the gospel work, including as a Sunday school office monitor and script typist. Thank you, Zelda, for all that you do for the Lord. May you have a wonderful and blessed day. Praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, 
and like to repeat our television time stations and locations in the continental United States for our viewing audience, especially if any of you plan on residing in California, that these telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XD TV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV channel 8 and Comcast channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV channel 28 in Eureka, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME channel 20 in Los Angeles and Bernardino, from 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV channel 11 in Monterey, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY channel 9 in El Centro, California and Yuma, Arizona, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about gospel work and view our Kingdom of God crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning a schedule of gospel services here in our home state of Hawaii, services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. At our Kamaki Branch Church, located at 1361 Palolo Avenue, gospel services are held at Sundays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches. The services are also conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanera Sr. in Kanakakai, Molokai, by Pastor Kenneth M. Alverio in Lahaina, Maui, by Pastor Walter I. Tinloy in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Landon K. Y. Asano Sr. in Koloa, Kauai, by Pastor Cannibal Espera in Balogo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espera in President Rojas, Cotabato, Mindanao, Philippines. You are welcome to attend these services regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections, however, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now, I return our program back to Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., who will bring forth his Spirit-directed and Spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Melvin. To be a member in the family of Jesus, TV viewers, requires living a tough lifestyle. There are many in the world, and in our country for that matter, who do not appreciate this lifestyle. It is too restrictive or too limiting they maintain, because it seeks to exclude sin and make it repulsive. Whether we like it or not, this is the way the Lord would have it. I hope my sermon, What God Had Joined Together, Let No Man Put Asunder, will make a special and significant impact upon you so that in spite of its toughness, you will choose to live the lifestyle of Jesus, beginning with your being baptized in His precious holy name. If you have not yet met this requirement, if you have, however, then you can take this sermon to heart and let it make a difference in your life as a member of God's family. In the beginning, God's purpose for marriage was made very clear. He intended marriage between two people, male and female, to be permanent and not experimental. 
God created the woman for man and established marriage as a framework within which most of us will recline to and spend most of our adult life. Compatibility, the ability to live in a harmonious union, is the product of understanding, respect, and patience with one another. God must also play an important part as well for the success of any union. Mature love, both physical and emotional, is based on commitment and self-giving. A couple who wishes to live together should conform to both biblical and social standards by marrying. They should not live in sin for the purpose of alleviating financial burdens or to avoid tax obligations, nor to live on government assistance. The sin is that they have lost the basic and reverent reason for marriage. In these cases, convenience and companionship have been substituted for commitment. We read in Hebrews 13:4, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Marriage is a gift from God. Sexual fulfillment is a part of this union and is blessed by Him. Marriage, the coming together of husband and wife, is approved by God. However, judgment awaits those who break the fidelity of marriage and become involved in sex promiscuously. The scriptures condemn premarital and extramarital sex as well as the defrauding or withholding of sexual contact from one's spouse. Marriage is a means of having an intimate and committed relationship to one person. Remember, God removed only one rib to provide a helpmeet for Adam. In this unit, security, stability, and some of our deepest needs will be fulfilled. Let us turn to Ecclesiastes 4, 8-11, and read, There is one alone, and there is not a second. Yea, he had neither child nor brother, yet is there no end of all his labor, neither is his eye satisfied with all his riches. Neither saith he, For whom do I labor, and bereave my soul or good? This is also vanity, yea, it is a sore travail. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for it is not another to help him up again. If two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? The saying is the wedding is one day, but the marriage is forever. When two people are married, they become one flesh. Autonomy is surrendered, and a sincere commitment is made to each other. They now become united spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Caring and providing for a family and ensuring its needs are met is not only a challenge, but affords all those being loved and cared for, that is, the family, the opportunity to enjoy the fruit of the provider's labors. The holy bond of marriage is blessed by God because He was the originator of it. He intended the contract between the two to last as long as they both would live. Never did God intend marriage vows to be broken by divorce. In fact, God hates divorce. Jesus clarified the term divorce as a privilege and not to be misconstrued as a commandment. Let us read of how it all began as you read in Genesis 2, 21 to 24. 
And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she, she called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Read on in Mark 10, 9. What therefore God had joined together, let no man put asunder. Did you know that the marriage between a man and a woman is the mirroring image of the sanctified relationship between God and man? So therefore, what God has set in order, mankind must make every effort through the fear of God to respect and uphold. As God has become an intimate part of our lives, should not our spouses be the same? The message being sent in verse 24 of Genesis chapter 2 highlights mutual trust and commitment. The new responsibility man faces in this relationship is that he must now leave his parents and be enjoined to his wife. Marriage must be treated and entered into with respect and reverence. When there is an imbalance of love and respect, and the scales are tipped, and God is excluded from their lives, the doors are wide open for Satan to capitalize on their incontinence. The dramatic increase in domestic violence is alarming. Domestic abuse and violence boils down to one thought. The perpetrators want to hurt the people whom they profess to love. In essence, sad to say, they are only hurting themselves. The cause for marriages ending in divorce are infidelities, spouse abuse, child abuse, drug, alcohol, and substance abuse, and addiction, as well as economic stress. I'm sure if couples approached the institution of marriage materially and allowed the Lord to lead and guide them, there would be less divorces. Happiness is promised to the believers who fashions their love lives so that their behavior is consistent with spiritual maturity as required of the children of God. Television viewers, do you remember the day of your wedding when you turned to your spouse and very affectionately responded to the questions posed by the minister or judged with a firm, I do? Likewise, have you experienced the day when you said, I do, to the Lord? Marriage is full of choices, and there is one decision that all of mankind must make. Perfectly, TV viewers, upon hearing the gospel of the kingdom of God, you will make the right choice. The era we are living in requires expediency to God's call. Let us read of Naaman, who was given an opportunity to seize the moment. Yet the influence of the battle with him plagued with him, the near fatal possibility of making the wrong choice. Naaman, a captain of the armies of Syria, was a leper and was being robbed of his dignity by the decadent disease. No matter what he accomplished, the disease intimidated him and caused him to be treated like an outcast. He sought out every source of healing, but received no gainful results. Word of mighty miracles which were being done by the God of Israel reached his ears. The circumstances surrounding Naaman's healing were unusual. The atmosphere between Syria and Israel were tense. The king of Israel surely thought Syria was promoting battle. 
when its king requested that Israel heal Syria's commander. Nevertheless, God's purpose was about to be fulfilled. Elijah responded to the king's fast without fear by saying, Let him now come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. This miraculous healing is found in 2 Kings 5, 9-15. We read, So Naaman came with his horse and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elijah. And Elijah sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Naaman became very angered at Elijah's response and left disgruntled. He thought within himself, this prophet could have just come out to me and called on the name of his God and in doing so relieve me of this disease. Naaman questioned the prophet. As you read in verse 12, are not Abana and Farper rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Hearing what God requires men to do to be saved may provoke one to anger, especially when he thinks that what he has done is sufficient. Perhaps, viewers, you are convinced that the life you now live is knowingly not perfect but godly in nature. You may be saying to yourselves, I'm already saved. Just heal my body. Perhaps one cites the scripture in Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Remember, our scripture does not stand alone. It is confirmed throughout the Bible. These statements reflect the attitude of Naaman. When he approached Elijah, God will do some great thing if we approach him the right way. We must come to our senses. If we keep in mind that as we love God, nothing shall keep us from obeying his commandments, not even our self-righteousness. Read on in 2 Kings 5, 13 to 15. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather than when he said to thee, Wash and be clean? Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God and all his company and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. The simplicity of salvation is complicated by the irreverence of man. Mankind tends to serve the Lord when it is convenient for them. Mankind exercise godliness only under their terms and thus are fulfilling more unbelief for the days ahead. Now just imagine what the outcome could have been if Naaman had not gone to Jordan as instructed by Elijah. He undoubtedly would have died as a result of his leprosy. But God was as merciful to Naaman as he was with Nicodemus and as God has been with you and me. Jesus gave instructions to his disciples and set the pattern of salvation by being the example we must abandon our own beliefs and follow God's instructions as Naaman did with Elijah. Do we liken ourselves to Naaman, who thought that by doing and accomplishing something profound, it will not only bring attention to himself,
but result in a simultaneous healing of his intolerable disease? Ephesians tells us that we are saved by grace through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. God requires the surrendering of oneself. Humility is the key and obedience is recognized above sacrifice. This is what bridges the gap between God and man. Similarly, Nicodemus approached Jesus under the cloak of darkness with his reservations as well. He was a scholar, a Pharisee, diligent in the laws of Moses, influential in the political arena and not saved, according to the words of Jesus. Nicodemus was one of three richest men in Jerusalem and a member of the Sanhedrin. He was willing to sacrifice all that he had to follow Christ. He, she tells us, he eventually publicized his belief in Jesus and was baptized by Peter. Being excommunicated, dismissed from his position and expelled from Jerusalem, because of his faith, he died poor. Nevertheless, he was rich in the Lord and saved through the name and blood of Jesus. What he witnessed and experienced through Jesus did make Nicodemus feel unsaved, and the thought of being called a sinner was uncomfortable for him. Having seen and heard of all the miracles, he could not help but to recollect the scriptures where they spoke of the promised Messiah. Thus he said to himself, could this possibly be him? Let us read in John 3, 2. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. The heart can easily be elated upon finding that special road which leads into the kingdom of God. It is gratifying to learn through the gospel of the kingdom of God that sin is forgiven and removed. Jesus' answer to Nicodemus regarding the born-again question is found in John 3, 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Baptism is an intercompatible of salvation. Water baptism performed by complete immersion in the name of Jesus was the essential point made to Nicodemus, and it is still the essential point we want to make today to the many who are not saved. Baptism, as Paul informs us in Romans, resembles the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Being baptized into Christ enables us to have a new lease on life, and to live for Jesus. Water baptism is an act of a good conscience toward God. This is what it means to be born again. We read on in verses 6 and 7. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. It is a clear message. Simply put, if we are only born once in this world, we will die twice. One, a physical death, and the second, a spiritual death. However, if we are born twice in this world, we will die only once, a physical death. Yes, by being born in the flesh, then born again through the Word of God, we will suffer only the physical death should the Lord not return in our lifetime. The second death, eternal suffering, an absolute irreconcilable separation mentioned in the book of Revelation does not have authority over those who have complied obediently to God's word. Peter's enthusiasm promoted the same baptism as you read in Acts 2.38. 
Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repentance is God is sorrowful sin, as Paul defined in 2 Corinthians 7.10. If Naaman did not repent, he would not have gone to Jordan and would have missed the opportunity to be healed. Likewise, Paul repented on the road to Damascus and was later led to the deserts of Arabia to be enlightened by the Holy Ghost. Even Peter wept bitter tears of repentance after denying the Lord thrice as Jesus had predicted. However, on the day of Pentecost, no one could have been a better example of commitment than Peter himself, who was empowered by the Holy Spirit. True repentance by one who believes allows Jesus to make the changes so necessary for faithful service. Read on in Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. All churches should be preaching this self-same gospel. Jesus and the apostles preached. You may wonder why there are so many churches and why so many doctrines. Again, you may ask, though some have taken different paths or approaches to the word, don't they all lead to the kingdom of God? The answer is an emphatic no. This could not be further from the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Applicants for water baptism are asked two questions by the pastor or associate pastor in spring the baptism. Each question carries its own weight and requires its own answer. The questions are firstly, do you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Whereupon your response is, I do. Secondly, do you believe that his blood cleanses you from all sin. Once again, you respond, I do. You are then immersed in water completely and in the name of Jesus, as mentioned in John 3, 5 and Acts 2, 38. The gift of the Holy Ghost is a promise given to every believer. John 7, 37 to 38 cites, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Yes, viewers, doubts and fears will no longer plague you if you have kept God's commandments. Every word that the Lord will speak will not be taken as an offense, but as a confirmation, an inspiration, and a comfort that one's efforts are wrought in God. Recall the scripture, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Asunder meaning dividing apart or making separate. Who is to blame for a divorce? Is it the Lord? Not so. He sanctions marriages. Is it the judge who made the divorce decree final? I think not. Is it the lawyer who attempts to work on your behalf? The persons referred to in the marriage vow as the man are the people involved in the marriage. Those who are responsible for the success of the marriage are the same who will be held accountable for its failure in the eyes of God. It is unfortunate that some marriages never work out and the primary cause is the hardness of heart and dealing with an unbelieving heart. Let us read in 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11, Knowing not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, 
be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Jesus instructed the disciples as well as the Pharisees on the rules of marriage and divorce. He plainly said that if a man put away his wife and marry another, he is committing adultery. And whosoever marries the woman that was put away committeth adultery. We can't change the word, but we can seek forgiveness. When we came, come into the presence of God, our sins are washed away and remembered no more. We cannot undo the past or relive the days that have gone by, but we can start again anew. Reading 1 Peter 4, 8, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Yes, husbands and wives make mistakes, and some more severe than others. At times, spouses may have been taken for granted, causing the gap to widen even further. The resolution is repentance exercising forgiveness and long-suffering. Jesus is the perfect example of forgiveness. He forgives and forgets and commands us to go and sin no more. As we apply the scriptures, the fruit of the Spirit will take its course as well. Marriages that last for 30, 40, 50 years or more are not a thing of the past. They are just few in number. Paul summarizes the married life of Spirit-filled believers and the key to success of any marriage in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. In verses 28-31 reads, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth it even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. The pledge of faithfulness to one another can be said in the words that were spoken to Joshua. I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. If you'd like to know more about God's Word, the church, and review the telecast presentation in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Billy Hanjun, and expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come to your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hall of His hands. To conclude our telecast, the church band will play the song entitled, Send the Light. <laughs>
preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.